Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Dr. Cindy Siwe-Fansel and I'm back again for the Health Hour. You can tweet us, um, cliffcentral.com, or you can tweet me, um, at DocCindy, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I. This afternoon I'll be chatting to Natalie Arkin-Mills, and she is a chiropractor, and she'll be telling us all about chiropractic, what it is, how she got involved in it. And so if you have any questions, please do call in 0861-555-189. But without wasting any more time, Natalie, thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Nice to be with you. So tell me, Natalie, I'm chiropractic. I don't know that many people know what it is. Um, first of all, how did you get involved in it? Well, it started off with me being in matric and bored in a career guidance class, and I was flipping through a thing on Vitstech. And I found a thing on chiropractic, and I didn't know what it was, and it said, you need to be this type of person. And I said, hey, that's me. So I took it home, and my mother said, absolutely not, there are a bunch of quacks. And my father said, not so fast, you investigate, you look into it, you find out, and then you make a decision. Mm -hmm. And from that, I then went to speak to other chiropractors, I went to the university, I went to lectures, I read up on it, and I decided that this was a profession for me. So I went in quite blindly. It's a six-year course at what was Vits Tech and now UJ joined with Ra. So it's six years. It's six years, so it's a master's. And um, I've never looked back. If you had told me how hard I'd have to work, I would have said I can't do it. But once I stepped into it, it was like I found my niche in life and I have loved it ever since. And so what kind of a person are you? I'm a very sociable, outgoing, friendly Somebody who's always keen to help people do something, get involved. And so the profession suits me really well because it's like every 20 minutes I have a new friend who comes in. It's about the quality of life, not life and death. So mm-hmm. you have your own life as well. The hours are, are very nice. Mm-hmm. And I have a practice that I absolutely love. And you've been in practice for how long? This is my 15th year. Oh, wow. So you have lots of Ubuntu, lots of lots of compassion. I have lots of compassion and I get lots of feel good for my work. Oh, that's awesome. And so like... What's a typical day in, you know, in the life of a chiropractor? So for me, I now have a one-year-old, so I've sort of limited my hours to five hours a day. But okay. typically, as chiropractors, we do work longer hours. The treatment period times vary. I see three people an hour, so every 20 minutes. I take two slots for a new patient. And um, it's kind of like somebody comes in, there's somebody you've got to know. You land up building your practice with friends and friends of friends, and nice people send their nice friends and family and you really get to know and enjoy your patients, and they get to know you. And so beyond the fact that you're improving their quality of life, you're taking their pain away, you're helping them, they're enjoying the experience of being in with you as a chiropractor, which really makes it very rewarding and very nice. Okay. And just in terms of what chiropractic is, I think, just break that down for us. So chiropractic, the words itself mean to work with your hands. Mm-hmm. So it's a hands-on, drug-free, surgery-free profession. The philosophy of chiropractic is about wellness. It says, let's get you better, let's keep you better. Be proactive about your health rather than reactive. So it's take vitamin C every day so you don't get sick as opposed to an antibiotic when you do. I want to prevent you getting an injury rather than treat your injury. So particularly you've got people who've got chronic pain, you want to get them to a point where they can manage their pain. So a lot of the stuff is what people can do for themselves at home. So you get somebody right, but then you're also getting them. They've got to put their side in it of keeping their diet good, their exercise good, their stress levels down. And it's to keep your quality of life 
good. So you want to, as opposed to someone who's got wear and tear and arthritis in their bodies in a bad way, you'd far rather prevent their bodies going there and keep them healthy. So I try and get my patients to come in on a maintenance basis. And I say, how are you? And they say, fine. Any problems? No. And then we go back and we look in their files and say, you know, you haven't had an episode in years. And whereas before they were in constant pain, constantly having these acute attacks. So it's just teaching you to be proactive, prevent the injury, prevent the illness, keep yourself healthy. Okay. I mean, I know when I think of chiropractic, so I, so I keep saying chiropractic. There's so it's chiropractic. T-I-C. Okay. Chiropractic. Okay. So I keep saying, okay, so it's chiropractic. So when I think of chiropractic, I always think of, you know, someone's back being put straight and, you know, your spinal cord is out. That's not entirely correct, is it? It's not entirely correct. Essentially, your body's a self-healing mechanism. Okay. And your body knows what to do. So if you think about it, if you scratch yourself, it would bleed, it would stop bleeding, a scab would form, scab would fall off. You don't think about it. Your body just knows what to do. So what we're doing is we're stimulating your body to do what it fundamentally knows how to do. Mm-hmm. So by correcting your biomechanics and straightening you out as such for layman's terms, we're stimulating your body to so that it can function at its best. Everybody always looks at things of saying when you're manipulating a person's spine, oh, it's the bones and the joints. It's actually your nervous system. Mm-hmm. So your nervous system controls your entire system. And by getting your nervous system to function properly, everything else starts to work better. So typically a patient would come to a chiropractor for a neuromusculoskeletal problem. So anything to do with the nerves, the muscles, the bones, and the joints. And 25% of those people say they have an improvement in their hearing, their eyesight, their breathing, digestive system, even fertility. I had a patient come to me. Her back was a disaster. She came in for quite a long time, and we got her right. And then she came bounding into my office. She said, I'm pregnant. I've been trying for three years. Coincidence, maybe. Or suddenly her body functioning better. And when your body's functioning better, you're far more susceptible to things like falling pregnant. So I wouldn't call myself a fertility specialist, but I'm more of a specialist in terms of health and keeping you healthy so that these things can then work better for your body and happen. That's very interesting. And so in terms of, okay, so if I was to come in, so I, I told you outside, I've got a very sore back. My yeah. lower back is really sore. And as you can tell, I'm very overweight, but I'm losing weight. What what would you do for me if I came in for a consultation where would we start so your initial assessment is that the first thing i do is as you walk into my office i have my eyes on you so i can see how you walk how you move all of those things so i've already got quite a good idea in my head before you've even opened your mouth what's going on so we're also looking at your posture exactly i shout at people who slouch in my office and then i'm going to sit you down and start off with a little friendly chat who are you what you're about and then take a history so where's your problem what's getting you at the moment What is your past history with it? What are your aggravating factors? What are the relieving factors? I want to know about your sleeping patterns, about what bed you're on, how you're spending your days, what your diet's like, what medications you're on, what past surgeries you've had, been in hospital, um, car accidents, whiplash injuries, falls, broken bones. So we can really get a good picture of your overall health and what's going on with your body. And just by taking a person's history before you've even put your hands on somebody, you have quite a good idea of what's going to happen. Because most importantly, you want to diagnose someone. You want to know exactly what the problem is. Then I'm going to stand you in front of my mirror, which lots of people hate. And I'm going to run you through a whole series of orthopedic tests and movements. And I'm going to see how your body moves and works. I'll then put you onto my table. I do something called visceral manipulation, which is actually an osteopathic technique post-grad, and it works on the organs, Mm -hmm. which is also a very nice um, additive to the usual chiropractic work. And I'll work on, so I'll do the organ work. I'll do some craniosacral therapy. I do all my assessing. 
I'll check you from top to toe. I'll always treat you top to toe. I treat more of what I find than just about the symptom that you're having. We want to get to the root cause of where your problem is mm-hmm. as opposed to just simply the pain that you're having. I'll do quite a lot of soft tissue, some uh, massage work. I'll do some dry needling if need be. Dry needling. And then I'll adjust you. And the adjustment is the most powerful and important part of what chiropractic is all about. Okay. So this is, this is, yeah, okay, let's just go back a bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's just go back to the dry needling part. Just, just expand a bit on that. Okay. So dry needling, it started off of where they used to inject lidocaine, which is a local anesthetic mm-hmm. into a muscle. A trigger point is a point in the muscle which has gone into spasm. So they injected lidocaine to relieve the pain. They were then doing a double-blind study and injected nothing and discovered that they got the same results, that it wasn't the lidocaine that worked, but actually the needle. So the way that it works is that you're using an acupuncture needle. It's got a very sharp point, but despite it being sharp, it's actually got a rounded tip. So it doesn't tear the muscle fibers. It weaves between them. Okay. If you can imagine you put a pile of stones together and you took a hammer and you went bang, and all those stones dissipated and they separated, that is essentially what you're doing with that needle. You're putting it into that muscle spasm, all those fibers have clumped together, and you're pushing them apart. Okay. So because you're not tearing that muscle fiber, you're not doing any damage. You also then have a foreign body in your muscle. So what does your body react to a foreign body? It increases its blood supply, lymphatic supply, nervous supply. It gets your body again to heal itself. Mm-hmm. So it's different from acupuncture. Acupuncture deals with the yin and the yang and the meridians, and it's a totally different philosophy. Mm-hmm. So the dry needling is about mechanically breaking down that spasm. Okay. And it's, it's not painful. People are often terrified of it. And then when you convince them to have it, they're like, really? Was that what I was worried about? Uh, so I'll be lying on my, on my tummy, and you'll just put the needle you, And through. you don't have to see it. <laughs> oh, okay. So when I stand in front of a mirror, are we dressed, undressed? What are we wearing? So again, that depends on the chiropractor. Okay. For me as a woman, I... Women don't mind taking their tops off for me. Okay. For m- generally, if you're with a man, and a lot of people, you'll have a gown. So it's always about making the patient most comfortable. Okay. So if a patient might sometimes for religious reasons or just their own body images, they're not comfortable to stand there in their bra and their shorts or whatever. And so then I've got a robe and they can put on a robe. So primarily it's that you can get to a patient that, that your patient's also comfortable. Okay. And then do you ever find yourself um, having to refer patients to a medical doctor? Absolutely. Okay, so you have a relationship. So, so much of what you study in chiropractic is about knowing your limitations. Yeah. What makes you a good chiropractor is knowing when you can say, hey, this isn't for me. Okay. So a lot of what we learn, we study, the first three years are very much the same as medicine. And it's to be able to say, hang on a moment, this isn't right. And this is beyond my field of... Expertise. expertise and to refer out. Somebody once said to me, if you ever want to build your practice, refer out. And it's very true. And I'm never, ever scared to refer out. And I always believe, listen to your patient. Mm. When a patient says, I'm nervous and I'm anxious, and could it be this or that? And you're pretty sure you know not if it's going to make them feel better. And they have that horrible gut feel. Listen to your patient because mm. they know their bodies and they understand it. So I refer, I've got a lovely GP who's, there are two GPs on my floor and there are a few in Hyde Park Corner and refer to them all the time. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at things is that at one point chiropractors were able to give Voltaren injections. Oh, is it? And then they stopped us. And the way I see it is that if somebody had an anaphylactic reaction, I'm not equipped to deal with that. So quite honestly, I don't need to make that extra hundred rand that the Voltaren injection is going to okay. cost. Go to the GP down the road. And if something goes wrong, let it be him who is equipped to deal with it to do so. Oh, for, yeah, with the if, a, if a GP came along and said, I just want to learn how to do one adjustment, I'd be livid. I'd say absolutely not. So mm. why do we then want to do one thing that's 
away from our whole philosophy of what we do and that's interesting. And I mean, when you say they stopped us, I mean, you're obviously speaking about the Health Professions Council of South Africa. Correct. So there's two councils. So you've got your Health Professions Council and then you've got your Allied Health Professions Council. Mm-hmm. Chiropractic falls under your Allied Health Professions Council. It all started off, uh, I'm not too sure exactly of all the ins and outs, but the, it was something like 17 to 16 votes that came out of for chiropractic to join the Health Professions Council. And because we lost by one vote, the Allied Health Professions Council was then formed. So there's been lots of, you know, sort of derogatory things about chiropractic in the past, which has all been clearing up and coming away. And the relationship between the two councils is very, very much better. Ironically, you can't be a member of both. So if you're a medical doctor and a chiropractor, they won't let you be a member of both, which is very silly. And then they also say that as a chiropractor or someone of the Allied Health Professions Council, you can't share the same rooms and work under the same roof as someone from the Health Professions Council. So this is written down. This it's is written down, but what's happened is that there's a gentleman's agreement between the two councils, and there's a lot of physios and chiros who work together because we complement each other so beautifully, and we really should be working together. Yeah. And But it hasn't been gazetted. It hasn't reached Parliament. So when somebody puts in a formal complaint, then, you know what I mean, they land up having to stick with the written rule. But hopefully that's going to change soon because the Allied Health Professions Council and the Health Professions Council are working more and more together, and it's mm. very important that we do work together and do understand what each other does. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to make a confession. I mean, I know that just as a medical, a medical doctor and, and a medical student, you know, as a medical student before I became a doctor, um, we haven't really been exposed to allied health services, right? So we know that there's, you know, there's traditional medicine, there's homeopathy, there's chiropractic. We know of all of that, but we're not really exposed to it, and pre- we pretty much ignore it. And over the last two years or so, I've realized, I mean, I work with HIV, so I only deal with HIV-infected patients. I've realized that there's only so much that I can do with Western medicine, and there's so much other stuff, the psychosocial aspect of a person's life that I couldn't deal with. I, I can send you because I have a degree in psychology and just because of the person that I am. But there are many other doctors who will only deal with the Western medicine part and then that's the patient must then see what happens with everything else. Mm. And it's just, it's very humbling and very, I think it's very, um, it's been a great experience to learn and to accept that there's only so much that Western medicine can do and we need to embrace other healing, um, you know, um, Techniques. Absolutely. Well, a multidisciplinary approach is often such a powerful approach to a person's health. Mm. And the allied health professions are not going to take away, take away modern medicine. Modern medicine has, you know, it's come so far in in a relatively actually short period of time, but we can complement each other. And the, what's so wonderful about the allied health professions is the philosophy of Mm. that keep yourself healthy. Medicine says wait until you've got pathology. And let's fix you. And then we'll fix you. So if you're, you've got liver dysfunction, let's wait until you've got full-on disease, and then we can treat you. We say prevent the liver disease. Don't get there. Keep yourself healthy. Unfortunately, what does happen is that at medical school and things, they say if you've got a back problem, take anti-inflammatories, otherwise refer to a physio, don't refer to a chiropractor, they're bad. And that's mm. all you get told. That's the truth. And so how can you know or believe in something, you know, if you don't know anything about it? And what's been fantastic, I mean, I was the third intake at Vits Tech starting in 95. And there was about five years before that at Natal. So we've got 20 years of graduates in the country. And mm. all of a sudden, from there being 150 chiropractors countrywide, we've now got a lot. I'm not sure the numbers. 
And the more people that there are who practice chiropractic, the more people who go to chiropractors, the more people understand it. And chiropractor gets its reputation from people going, I've been told I need back surgery and I desperately don't want it. As a last resort, I will go to a chiropractor and then they don't need it. Mm. And it's fantastic. I mean, we also work a lot with um, a lot of the neurosurgeons. There's a wonderful neurosurgeon. His name's Ian Weinberg. And he speaks about how in the 80s, he got hold of the chiropractors and said, we need to be talking to each other. Mm. We are seeing the same patients. And with that, he spoke to the Health Professions Council and he said, you know, I want to go and talk at the chiropractors conference. And they told him that if he did, they would strike him off the board. Oh no! So he said with that, he went and had a fantastic conference <laughs> <laughs> and off he went. And he does everything in his power not to operate. Yeah. And he refers to us and we refer to him. And I use him a lot because I know that he will not operate unless he absolutely has to. Yeah. And there is a place for surgery. Well, look, and that's what we were taught in medical school. During orthopedics, we were told that when it comes to back back problems, back problems tend to recur. So surgery is not necessarily going to help. Definitely not. No. And it's understanding that your body is an ongoing concern. It's like here you've been talking about saying how you're wanting to lose weight and you've been on your banting diet <laughs> and it's all working so well and, you know, looking great. But you need to know that it's an ongoing thing. Oh, yes. That if you lose all your weight and then you go back and you start eating McDonald's three times a day. Which I used to. There we go. You'll put it all back on. Mm. And in the same way, if you decided that you wanted to get super fit and you started running every day and then you ran the comrades and then you stopped, you would get unfit. Mm. You have to maintain your body. You have to maintain your health. Your body's triangle, physical, chemical, emotional. The things that affect us, it's stress is a huge part of it. Pollutions in the air, preservatives in food, alcohol, your posture, your starting from the type of birth your mother had with you. I mean, it's, and it's life. And we live in very stressful times. So you have to take that, that approach about being proactive about your health and on a continuous basis. People come to me, they say, I've had back pain for 20 years and they want to be after two sessions that it's gone and it never goes away, it never comes back again. And you say to them, you've had this for 20 years. It's going to take longer for it to go away. And then you have to do your homework and you have to maintain it. And it's an ongoing concern. You've got to continuously keep keep at it. We have a, yeah, well, th- yeah, we have a question, um, Natalie. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But what are the pros and cons of chiropractic versus yoga? Okay, well, you're dealing with two completely different okay. things. <laughs> okay. So yoga is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And yoga will uh, keep your body good. And allow you to keep flexible and your body functioning well, which is, it fits into the same sort of philosophy. But yoga is an exercise form. So I will refer my patients to go and do yoga often, all the time, telling my patients, go do yoga, go do Pilates, go exercise. So that will maintain you. Chiropractic is then something, it's a treatment form. And so you're coming in for treatment. And yes, the philosophy is tie-in, but you're not comparing Apples and apples. Oh, okay. I understand that. And just in terms of um, the age groups that you treat. So it starts from birth. I treated my daughter from the day that she was born. We treat babies, um, things like colic, reflux, just general health, babies who have had cesarean sections. When they get cut, when you, the uterus is cut open, there's a sudden change in pressure, which um, affects the baby. Not going through the birth canal, the cerebrospinal fluid that runs through the sp- spine and up into the spinal cord. So again, it's not life and death, but it's about making your baby more comfortable. Of all the research, it shows that chiropractically treated babies sleep better. Okay, so how did you so you so how did you how do you treat a newborn? So if you're going to treat a newborn, the amount of stimulus a newborn needs to te- 
the amount of stimulus a newborn needs to make a change is a fraction of what you as an adult would need. Mm. So the first thing is that you are very, very gentle. The next thing is that you cannot say to this newborn, does this hurt here? Mm. So you have to treat what you find. So you'll start off with a full history of the mother, of how her pregnancy was, the type of birth that went on, how they sleep, how they're feeding, their routines, all of that. You're going to look at the baby. Some chiropractors hold them upside down. I don't. I hold them under their arms, see how they're holding their head, assess where they are for the age that they're at. Look at their body, see if their bodies hang down. If they pull like a banana, it's time to go to the chiropractor. They'll always pull themselves into a position of comfort. Do they feed the same both sides? Is their head not turning one way that they won't feed in one breast because they're, they've got a neck problem? There's you know, huge pressure of in a cesarean section when babies are pulled out on their neck. When they're coming out naturally, they bang their head against that um, the pubic bone. It's The conception is always better than the delivery. Mm. So. <laughs> That's so true. So, you know, we treat them and it makes ba- babies a lot more comfortable. And I get wonderful results with my peds and I absolutely love treating them. Because it's like better sleeping, better, better. They sleep better, they win better. You often find you've got these babies and they arch up and they've got these hard little bodies and they're resistant to you. And the mothers will say, my baby's now so much more cuddly. And they're more content. They're more content. Oh, that's great. And then um, el- the elderly? All the way also, again, to the other end of the spectrum. Again, when you're dealing with somebody, a geriatric, they've got a lot more wear and tear on their spine. Mm. And with more wear and tear, it's not as easy to sort that out. Mm, that's quickly. what I was thinking, yeah. So you, what I tend to find with my geriatrics is that I get them quite a lot better and then we plateau. And then okay. again, you're not going to get them into the Olympics gymnastics team. They've got so much wear and tear, inflexibility, old injuries, but you maintain them and you keep them at a better level of functionality. And then overweight, do you, do you have any overweight clients like me? No, I've got plenty, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And how would, well, so how you're would always you going to encourage them? a person to, to lose their weight because if you carry an extra backpack of how many kilos on your back all day, you, it's hard work on your body and your mm-hmm. body takes the strain. So a lot of the advice that you're giving people when you're treating them is about lifestyle and about weight and everything. But essentially you are going to treat them the same. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to actually adjust them. And I'll talk to you more about the adjustment now. And But you can absolutely still treat them and get fantastic results. That's great, Nancy. So we'll take a song break. And then after we come back, I really do want to hear about the process of adjusting. And we must discuss the whole, um, you know, because you're, you, 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 you're Dr. Natalie, right? And I want to speak around that. Okay. So we're back with Natalie Arkin uh, Mills. She's a chiropractor, and she's telling us all about this very interesting, um, yeah, treatment. Try chiropractic. I mean, I've been saying chiropractic all these years, so I'm happy to have you here because I've learned something new. So, so chiropractic for babies, for newborns. Um, do, do, do all newborns have to have it done? When would you bring your baby in for chiropractic? So. It's going to benefit all newborns. It's not going to be a situation that if you don't have it, your child is going to have a big problem. So again, it's that story about being proactive about your health versus reactive and allowing your child to have the best benefit from an early age. I treat babies, my own, I treat it from the day she was born. But generally people bring them to me from about 10 days to two weeks. And just as they're waking up from the honeymoon period and they're starting to get niggly and a little bit colicky, and the majority of my babies I'll see somewhere between 
Two weeks and three months Yeah, And and I'm so happy you mentioned the honeymoon period Because what people don't realize is that The first two weeks of a baby's life The baby is just resting Right? They've had a traumatic experience They're recovering from birth After two weeks then all hell breaks loose And this is when mummies now start giving gripe water And colic drops And all manner of, of remedies You know And there's another myth as well That babies sleep at night That's not actually true Babies sleep when they want to sleep Absolutely, you know. So, and sleep um, doesn't isn't something that comes naturally. Mm-hmm. So it's about teaching them to sleep and getting them into the right patterns. And if a baby's uncomfortable and they've got winds and they're colicky and they their spines aren't comfortable and they're sore, they're not going to sleep. Mm. And that's where chiropractic comes in is that it makes them a lot more comfortable. And because they're more comfortable, they will sleep better. Yeah, this is really interesting. So tell me about um, yeah, just the relationship between you know medical doctors and chiropractic um, um, chiropractors. Over the years, has it gotten better? What is, what is your experience? And patients as well. How do they relate to you? So my most favorite patient is a medical doctor because they've come in a lot of the time against their will. They're sort of going like, hmm, I thought I'd come and try you out. And then inevitably then land up referring a lot of people to me. And again, it comes from that thing of being at medical school and just being told it's bad and not knowing what it is. And as soon as the medical profession starts learning about it, then all of a sudden they're so much more open to it. And you can't refer to something that you don't know anything about. Mm. So what's happened over the years is that the the awareness of chiropractic has increased so much. And because people are so much more aware, doctors, you know, to, you know, just the everyday layman, when they start understanding it, they refer more people. And the more chiropractors there are, the more people who get treated by chiropractors. One of the interesting things that I do find, and, and you'll appreciate this, is that Chiropractic in terms of the black community is a very not well-known thing at that all. That is so true. And they I was about really, to ask you about that. They really don't know about it. It's mm. not a, There's very little chiropractic in the government hospitals, which they are trying to change. There's now more of an internship program with the um, with UJ. And, but what's happening is that it's just filtering in a little bit into the sort of black community. And I find that what happens is that black people who come to me respond unbelievably well. They're firstly very surprised that I'm not giving them any medicine because the culture is go to a doctor and they will give you medication. Go to the doctor and get an injection. An injection of medication. And then medication and then you'll be fine. Yes. And so now it's sort of that mindset of saying I'm not giving you any medications. I'm not giving you any things. It's no drugs. And they respond incredibly, incredibly well. And it's interesting, my practice lately, I've had a lot of sort of government officials and all of that sort of thing. And they've all been referring each other because respond so beautifully. And what you'll start seeing in South Africa is that it will start seeping more and more into the culture. And that's what we're also hoping to do, to spread that word more. So how would you, how would you go around spreading the word? Do you need to do more outreach? What, you know, cause I can help you. I can, I, I've got lots of contacts. I could help you. How would you, how would you envision spreading chiropractic yeah. in the black community? Well, this is a, I mean, something like here being with you here today is an, a real win. For me, you know, I think I've got to that point in my practice where I'm quite lazy because it's all, you know, word of mouth (laughs) and we do rely on word of mouth. But I think the biggest thing is to go to the universities Mm. and to go from the start and, you know, get people who, when they're starting up, we need to get it of where they're chiropractors who work in the rural areas, that they're chiropractors in the clinics, they're chiropractors in the government hospitals. And so that the health professions council isn't just completely dominating it. And when you start getting it into the hospitals, getting it into with the people, because at the moment it's typically for your sort of private, it's expensive, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, in saying it's expensive, chiropractic is the most cost-effective option of back pain in terms of treatment. 
So if you look at the amount of money that you will spend on your chiropractic treatments, but then more importantly, the amount of time that you'll have off work, chiropractic will get you back in, in to the office, back working, back to your job sooner than any other profession. So in actual fact, it then makes it the most cost-effective form of back care. And 80% of people will at some point in their lives be off work from with back pain. And does medical aid pay for chiropractic treatment, Nancy? Yes, it does. Covers it fully? Yes, but again, depends on your plan, and then they've got limitations, and okay. you know, but it's your same typical story of what happens with medical aid. But it is recognized, and it is covered by medical aid. Oh, okay. Well, we have a message from Steve. So Steve wants to know if he, you know, a Thai massage versus chiropractic treatment. Okay. So my personal feeling is that I have a big issue with the Thai massage people. Okay. So I did a massage course when I was my first year of chiropractic treatment, sorry, chiropractic school. So 20 years ago, I do a lot of it in my practice. I'm a big believer of massage, and I think it's fantastic. But now what happens is that you go for a Thai massage because you saw and you have a problem, and it's too much of hit and miss. When you get the people there who are good, it's great. But when you don't, I like them because they make me a lot of money because a lot of people go, I was a bit sore, so I went for a Thai massage, and now I'm in a properly in a bad way. You're looking at going to someone who's done a six-week to six-month course Versus someone who studied for six years, you're gonna get different. You know, you're gonna get different treatments, and people complain and say, "Well, they can pay 300 rand for an hour's time massage, or they're paying 480, 500 rand for 20 minute chiropractic treatment." Their value for money is going to be a hell of a lot better with the chiropractic treatment, and they'll get better a, a lot quicker, if, and hopefully not made worse by the Thai people. And okay, so in terms of um, reviews, so say I come to you for my lower back pain, mm. um, and then I have my treatment. Will I have a follow-up date to come back later? Absolutely. Okay. So, again, I'm, there's different ways of looking at things. Some mm-hmm. chiropractors like to put you onto a certain program. You get chiropractors or what we call straight chiropractors or diversified. A straight okay. chiropractor will just adjust you. A diversified chiropractor, which is what I am, will do the adjusting. They'll do the dry needling, the massage, do various okay. different things. Again, like I said to you, and I would like to talk about it, is that the adjustment is your most powerful tool. Mm-hmm. So it depends on which chiropractor that you go to. What I, The way I like to treat someone is that I like to work with them as an individual mm-hmm. and see how they are responding as they're getting better. Typically, what I would do is that if you came in to me, see me today, I would see you again on Friday, probably twice next week. And depending on how you are responding, will I see you sort of with your treatments further apart or not? If okay. I'm going to do 10 treatments on you, you will have a better result seeing me twice a week for five weeks than once a week for 10 weeks. Okay. As a general kind of rule, that's what I've found with with my practice. And yeah, so okay. you do better. What will happen is that your body will take you back to the way that it knows its old way. So you give the body the stimulus to correct its biomechanics, and then before you start regressing, your next treatment comes in. Okay. So you don't prescribe any medicines Whatsoever. No. So I'm not licensed to prescribe anything. Okay. I can recommend to a patient an over-the-counter medication, which they can get for themselves. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when somebody needs it, again, if I feel that they need something stronger, I will then refer them to a GP. Okay. And so for someone who can't afford a chiropractor, is there anything that, that people can do for themselves at home, Natalie? Well, for one of the things for people who can't afford chiropractic is that at UJ, they have the most fantastic chiropractic clinic. So in your fifth year, you start seeing patients in the clinic and all through your sixth year. And I think it costs something like 20 or 40 rand for a treatment. No way. If you can't afford it, you can then also write a letter and do an appeal and they'll even do it for free. So it's a, it is students, but they've been already, they are fifth year into their studying. They're very closely monitored by qualified chiropractors 
and it's a really, really good option for people who don't have the money. And the UJ, it's a brilliant course, and they've got a really great clinic. It's in Dornfontein. And this also will be with Natal as well. I'm, I don't know the Natal University where they've got theirs, but they've also okay. got a great clinic there. So if you can't afford the chiropractic, that's a great thing to do. Well, thank you. thanks for sharing that, Natalie. And in terms of your title, okay, so let me tell you about my life. Okay, so first of all, my surname is Fansale, okay, which really throws people off because I'm not Afrikaans. And then I get asked, are you a doctor or are you a doctor doctor or what kind of a doctor are you? I get all these variations on the theme. <laughs> Does the same thing happen to you? Yes, well, having the title doctor as a chiropractor, you have to be careful of how you use it. We are not a medical doctor. I'm a doctor of chiropractic. Mm-hmm. So I can use it as being saying I'm a doctor of chiropractic. You may not use it of falsely of making out that you are a medical doctor. Okay. So I've actually got a master's, not a PhD. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, a PhD is different to your MBBCH of a medical oh, doctor yes, as yeah. well. So you get use of the titles almost. I think they call it an honorary title. Mm-hmm. And but whereas it is a master's that we have. Okay. And so all your letters, all your cards and everything are written, Dr. Natalie. Correct. Yes. Okay. And and people don't ask questions around that, or don't people ask you, are you a doctor, doctor, or what, you know? Oh, people do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you're telling me about your interesting, um, some of your interesting um, conversations with some patients. I mean, you were telling me about a patient that only wanted to pay you after the treatments. Well, no, well, generally people pay after the treatment, but he came in and he said to me, this is when I was practicing in London. He said, I've had chiropractors who work for me and I've had chiropractors who don't. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to pay you today. And then I'll see if you've worked. I'll come back again and then I'll pay you for both treatments. Otherwise, I just won't come back. And what did you say? Natalie? I told him to get out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> I said, how dare he question who I am, what I am and what I do. And if he doesn't have faith in what this is, then it's better that he leaves. So you had a stint in London. Yes, I practiced for four years there. Okay, and how was that? Oh, I loved it. I had an absolute ball. And it was so lovely from being a new grad of working under other chiropractors, understanding how practices work, the courses and things that were available there. I did a lot of post-grad courses there. And it gave me, you know, a lot of tools that when I then came back to South Africa and I took over practice in Hyde Park Corner, that I had the confidence to do so and I'd had international experience and then I had a lot of fun living in London and just traveling all over. So was it, was it very busy there? Was that practice in London very, very busy compared to... Like, are they more embracing of chiropractic probably overseas fa- Probably fairly here? similar. You know, in the U.S., chiropractic is considered primary medicine, and it comes third after you've got medicine, then dentistry, then chiropractic. So okay. that's your third largest primary medicine in the world, and very few people actually know that. Mm, I didn't know that either. Yeah, and it's growing and growing. In the States, you'll go to your chiropractor before you'll go to your GP. People know about it, understand it, and the philosophy, again, of working to being proactive about your health versus reactive is getting you know, wider and wider. So, yeah. It, it's growing. It is growing, and it's, a, you know, it's a great profession. And, I mean, if you were to have a bunch of medical students here, or just say this podcast was to be, you know, sent to the University of Pretoria, for example, what would you want to say to them? Because, as I said, I mean, I told you when we were, sitting, when we were still sitting outside that um, for us, we didn't hear much about the allied health services. And it's it's a pity. I look back on my medical teaching now, and I wish it hadn't been like that. Absolutely. What would you want to say so to them? So if I had, I'd talk about the philosophy that I've mentioned so many times already. And then I think I'd also allow them to understand what the adjustment is. Mm-hmm. So people have this thing about chiropractors, oh, it's just a ruck and a pluck. And that it's vicious and it's harsh and it's sore and it's, you know, they're going to hurt you and going to do damage. And that's just not the case at all. So the biggest thing to understand what the actual adjustment is. 
So the adjustment with that this thing of like when somebody gives you a hug and your back is click, 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 or you crack your knuckles and you hear that crack, okay? What that is, it's a process called cavitation. So inside your, you've got two bones which make up your joint, and part of that joint is synovial fluid. One of the natural constituents of synovial fluid is carbon dioxide, and it's in a dissolved state in that synovial fluid. This is high school physics, so because you distract that joint, you change the pressure in the joint, the dissolved carbon dioxide becomes gaseous, the gas bubbles come together, and it goes crack. Over the next 20... Sorry? Is it good or bad? It's good. Because people, the people, so, you know how guys always crack, not even guys, everyone's always cracking their knuckles. Are we damaging our joints by doing that? You're not damaging your joints and it is scientifically proven that it does not cause arthritis. Okay. That's so, what I wanted to yes. hear. So when you do that, so when you get that crack, like people are so freaked out by it. The noise is just air bubbles. Okay. When you're doing the adjustment, it's what we say, a high velocity, low amplitude. So it's a quick movement, low force. So we're using very, very little force. So it's all about technique, and you're taking a joint and you're increasing its range of motion. Mm. If a joint's moving properly, then the muscles which cross it, they begin to relax. And most importantly, the nerve that exits from that joint, that starts to function properly, and that starts to flow. So by correcting the biomechanics of that joint, you're affecting that nervous system. A very nice way that I like to explain things is that you can imagine your arm as a garden. The nerve in your neck is the hose pipe that waters the garden. Mm -hmm. If you don't water your garden, your flowers die. Okay, you get pain, numbness, pins and needles. If you turn on the tap and you water your garden when it hasn't been dead for too long, all your flowers come, you know, get rejuvenated. But if you leave your garden without water for too long, it doesn't matter how much you water it, it's not going to come right. Mm. So the more pressure you put on a nerve, the longer the pressure's been on a nerve, the, the longer it takes for it to get better to a point of where it then will not rejuvenate at all. So what chiropractic is doing is that it's turning on the tap and you're allowing that nervous system, you're watering your garden. I see. That, that, that's a very good analogy, Natalie. And um, tell me about, about the history of chiropractic. I think that's a very interesting history. Like, who was the father of chiropractic? So it started in the early 1900s, and there was D.D. Palmer, and what he did was, this is in the, in the United States, There was he had a janitor who had been in a small space, had heard his neck go click, and after that he was deaf. And for 17 years, he had not been able to hear. And he had tried everything, you know, all the medicine at the time to restore his hearing. And this guy, he said, if I can adjust this man's neck and restore his hearing. So he went with the sole purpose of to restore his hearing. And he manipulated his neck. And from that moment, this janitor was then able to hear. And he said, wow, there is something in this. The actual manipulation, the manipulative techniques, they've been around for centuries so if you look back in the ancient Egyptians, they were manipulating. Hmm. And that the profession of chiropractic started in the early 1900s, and that was in the States. That's very, very interesting. And how would you, um, the nursing fraternity, for example, how would they use chiropractic treatment? Because, I mean, they if you think about who spends a lot of time with, with, with patients, it's actually the nursing, the nurses, the, the, the you know. Well, so again, you're looking at what chiropractic and who chiropractic is for. So chiropractic is really for almost everybody. There are, of mm. course, the people who, you know, it doesn't suit and who have um, risk factors that, is, you know, they're contraindicated. But for the most part, I mean, if you had to look at a nurse, firstly, the nurse's back is someone's you've got to look after because they're leaning over, they're picking up patients, they're doing a lot of damage to themselves. Okay. They're not going to be able to perform chiropractic on a patient because they're not trained to do so. And that's where it would be nice to get a chiropractor into the hospitals so that they are able to help those patients who are in in the hospitals. Nurses, again, they don't know about chiropractors, I mean, the majority of them. So they're not there when the patient is saying, oh, 
you know, I know I've just had this operation, but my back's really sore. They're not referring to the chiropractor necessarily because they don't necessarily know about it. Yeah, so it's all about the knowledge and speaking the knowledge around that, it. And that's what we're trying to do is to get chiropractically more widespread, better known, that it gives people the tools to look after their own health. And if people can look after their own health and they are then able to keep their bodies functioning well, keep themselves healthy, they're going to have a much better lifestyle. And so when people say, oh, chiropractors are quacks or whatever people say, well, how do you, how do you feel? What do you, what do, how do you respond to that, Natalie? What, what's your response? Well, to my that? response to them is let me tell you a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. It's something that you don't hear very often anymore because it is so strongly regulated. We've got the Chiropractic Association of South Africa who regulates everything. We've got to have all our professional cover. You have to be properly qualified from a, accredited school either in South Africa or elsewhere in the world. And so the regulations are so strict. So somebody who's got their name up that says Dr. So-and-so chiropractor, you know that they are going to be a well-trained person who knows what they're doing. And the regulations don't impede your work in any way? The regulations? Yeah. Well, there's always going to be impediments in terms of the work that you do because Mm -hmm. you have to work as a chiropractor. So there's a lot of arguing and saying people who are chiropractors and they're not doing chiropractic work. Like really? Again, particularly the adjustment. They're not adjusting. There's different techniques. There's different ways. There are many ways to skin a cat, and there are lots of different techniques that work. But in doing so, I can call myself a chiropractor, but I'm not licensed to come and dispense homeopathic medicines, allopathic medications, perform surgeries, whatever you want to say. You have, you know, sort of perimeters of what you qualified to do so and you do need are, to stick so are there chiropractors that. that are doing that like uh, you know given no, no because it is so strictly regulated but do, when you say re- regulated do people come do they ha- okay let me give you an example there is a medical aid um, scheme that sends in people to spy on doctors so they'll send in a, a, a fake patient to spy on a doctor and just check yeah. that you know the doctor's doing the right thing does the Chiropractic Association of South Africa do that to you guys? How do they monitor you? Because obviously, uh, if, they, if you know they're coming, you're going to put your best foot forward. So how do they know that you're doing the right thing? I, I don't know that how exactly that they do that. But they certainly are aware of what people are practicing, how they are practicing. And they keep their sort of finger on the button as to what people are doing. And you see people at the courses, at the congresses, they're paying up their insurances. As to if they send spies in or not, I don't know about that. Oh, okay. I was just checking. <laughs> and pins and needles, what, what, what is that all about? What causes pins and needles? And if you get it often, what's, what's going on? Okay. So pins and needles is you're going to look at what we'll call, and you would know, a neurological outfall. Mm-hmm. So when you say neurological outfall, we're looking at reflexes, you're looking at your muscle strength, and you're looking at your skin sensation. That's going to be your pins and needles and your numbness. So when you have pressure on a nerve it's going to then start causing those things. So if you're looking at a person who's, say, got a disc, by assessing how much feeling they've got in their skin, how strong their muscles are and how their reflexes are going, is going to give you an indication of how their nervous system is functioning and how much pressure is on that nerve. So if you look at somebody like a disc patient, 40% of asymptomatic people will have a disc bulge. So if you took 100 people who have no pain, 40% of them on MRI will show that they have a disc herniation. Somewhere. So you always remember you have to treat a patient and not a scan, and but those are things that are allowing you to test their nervous system and get, do a neurological assessment. So the pins and needles is going to be indicative of some pressure on the nerve. Oh, okay. I mean, someone's just sent in a question now. Um, chiropractic and um, erectile dysfunction or sexual dysfunction? 
would it help in any way? Have you seen any, have you heard of any results? I haven't really heard of any results. It's not something I would put us down to be a specialist in. Yeah. But again, it can have an effect because you're stimulating a person's body to work at their best. And sometimes if they're getting that kind of thing, it's coming from their nervous system not functioning properly. There's a blockage somewhere and you're allowing it to to work better. So there is the potential to, to help it, but I certainly wouldn't say that would be your first line of call in terms of uh, treating something like that. Oh, okay. And in terms of um, referring or trying something else, when would you tell a client that, okay, this is not working for you, let's move on to something else? Like how many sessions would, say for example, I start coming to you, okay. and after six sessions, my back pain is not resolving. So like, I wouldn't no. necessarily expect, and depending on how long a person has had pain for, yeah. expect that the, after six sessions to be resolved, but I would expect there to be a change. So I kind of look at things on three or four sessions, there must be a change. Okay. So now what happens is a lot of the time pain follows the same way out as it did in. So a person is sore after the treatment. So they often get worse before they get better. I don't worry about that in the slightest. And again, that means their body is responding. So remember, we are stimulating your body to heal itself. I'm not doing the curing. Your body knows what to do. If your body does not react to the treatment at all, it's not, it's not helping you. Your body needs to, if it's good or bad, must be responding. So when somebody gets worse first, they're often the patients who I get the best results with because their body is starting to react. They're starting to take notice of the stimulus you've put in. Okay. And I think the one thing that's coming across, Natalie, as I'm chatting to you is that I, I love the way you explain everything. And I think that just, just that in itself goes a long way in making a patient feel better. So, so how long is, okay, I know your consultation is 20 minutes long, but during, during the chiropractic treatment, during the alignment, whatever it is that you do, are you talking the whole time, explaining Most stuff? Most of the time I'm chatting to the patient the okay. whole time. And sometimes people, they, you know, they become your patients over many years and I often say my friends become my patients and my patients become my friends. Mm. And it's a very nice profession that you're dealing with healthy people. You're not dealing with sickly people. So you're dealing with healthy people who have, you know, normal problems and they're in pain and you, you're making their quality of life better. So from my point of view, it makes that very enjoyable. And it's also very rewarding because you are improving their quality of life so much. There was an interesting study of when we did our masters, one of the people, they did a thing of beta endorphins, which is your feel good hormone. And they did a blood test and they did pre-treatment and post-treatment. So they did it on an adjustment, a mobilization, and 20 minutes of detuned ultrasound. So an ultrasound where the machine was off, so you're doing nothing. And they tested their feel-good hormones before and after. And the only one that had the significant difference was a detuned ultrasound. Spending time with somebody who you like and you get on with makes you feel better. You get feel-good hormones. I can tell you that my patients who come into me and I don't like them and they don't like me, they don't get better. There are very few people I don't get on with. I'm a people's person. But the ones who don't like me, they generally the the people who are bouncing from practitioner to practitioner. They thrive on being sick. They don't want to get better. Oh, okay. So it's just that vibe. It's that, that vibe. You just you walk in there. I call them my energy vampires. Because <laughs> they, they just suck. They just suck you dry. No, you know, I've, and you I've, like. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I have cut energy vampires out of my life. Absolutely. It just doesn't so, work. and I even cut them out of my practice because I'm not helping them. They're not helping me. And it's not no a pleasurable. Point. There's no point, and you just gently refer them on to the next person. <laughs> the next no, person. <laughs> but that's what they're after. They are after going from person to person to person. And the people who, because I don't subscribe to what they're after, to their desire to be sick, they they don't get what they want from me because I, I'm not a, 
you know, I want to make them better. I don't want to keep them in that negative place. And the truth is there are people like that. There really are patients who just enjoy being sick. They enjoy the attention. And that's just who they are. Absolutely. No, no matter what you do, there'll always be something else that they have to complain about. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was at a conference recently and they spoke, spoke about the nocebo effect. Yeah. And everybody knows about the placebo, the placebo effect. Yeah. And what's nocebo? So nocebo is when you come to me and go, Oh, your back is so bad. Oh my goodness. This is terrible. You're going to be in so much pain. And you really dramatize and you catastrophize their pain and they will walk out and they will be in a lot more pain. Oh, yeah, that's so there's point. a huge emotional side about how you deal with people and it's about also giving them the, the tools to look after themselves, to mm-hmm. empower themselves, to keep themselves good. And I've had patients before where I've told them straight out, you know, stop, get your head right. You are protecting yourself so much that you're hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next day they bounce into my office and they're and in they're a better place. Better. Yeah. Oh, Natalie. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I think before we go, just tell us where we can find you, where we can find you on Twitter, where we can find your practice your practice number tell us that okay I practice from Hyde Park Corner Shopping Centre I'm on the third floor in the office towers I've also got a lovely associate Amy McCarg who works with me and she's also fantastic and um, so we generally open six days a week on Twitter at at Nat Arkin my website is www.hydeparkcairo.coza our office line is 011 Five oh nine six. Okay, fantastic. But you've been a great guest. I think I've learned so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's been really lovely to be here. Yeah, and you really taught us a lot about. I hope so. No, thank you, Natalie. Thank you.